All right, y'all. In 2019, the episode of the Choir Baton podcast that was the most stressful time of the year is one of the most all-time downloaded Choir Baton episodes ever. And with that, um, I thought it was time to do a, a round two. It is still the most stressful time of the year. Um maybe even more so this time because of the wonkiness that was 2020 last year. With that said, here are five simple tips from me to you to hopefully help you simplify and de-stressify some of the stress. Welcome to The Choir Baton, a podcast designed to engage with people and stories, ideas, and inspirations stemming from choir. No other art form, no sport, no hobby, no business requires a group of people to execute a communal goal with just their voices. Join me, your host, Beth Philemon, as I interview guests who are singers, teacher conductors, instrumentalists, and community members. Together, we'll ask questions, seek understanding, and share insight from our experiences in life and in choir. Welcome to Choir Baton Podcast number 80. It's still the most stressful time of the year. Five tips to simplify and hopefully de-stressify the remainder of 2021 for you, but with particular ode to concert season. So in 2019, I released an episode of this same type of title, and it was like one of the most downloaded episodes ever. And last year, I considered doing a year two, but it was just such a wonky year. I waited, and so here we are now, back in 2021, and we are going to talk about some overarching things that are especially applicable for this year after the year that you have had, but also are realistic for any year um, around this time, and in particular, any time you're preparing for a concert. So let's dive in. Um, I can't help but wonder if you find yourself promising, um, like realizing that last year you promised yourself, I'm not going to allow myself in my next concert season to feel so busy. I know there was a a, a big mix of, of choir folks that while heartbroken over the fact we didn't have choir performances and concerts like last time, and some of y'all did some, but within certain capacities, or you did online ones, which presented a whole other realm of headaches. Um, I think I found just watching through social and, and conversations with friends, they're like, I don't ever want to get as busy as I was in years prior to. I was able to enjoy the holidays a little bit more, a little differently, etc." And I can't help but wonder if that mindset is a little flown out the window because we not only feel so grateful to be able to perform again in a greater capacity than we were last year, but there's also this feeling or like this need to like have to make up for last year for people or have to remind people about how powerful choral music is and how powerful the arts are. And there's just this like 
this feeling that you have to make up for lost time and it has to be even better than before, et cetera. And that is adding to your stress because um, as choir conductors, we put so much amount of pressure on ourselves. And if that is you, you are not alone. I am seeing it again. Um, so I, this is my mantra to all of you. Here's five tips um, to lean into and to fully embrace this year. Number one, say no say no. Now, I don't mean when students like ask us um, crazy things or adult singers or community singers and we like those times are in which like, yes, you're already saying no, keep saying no to that. But I guarantee that there is at least one moment a day where someone asks you something and in your gut, you want to say no. You feel the, like, you know, you should say no. And yet you find yourself saying Yes. And those are the moments that I'm talking about, that exact moment, right? So, you know, whether it is a, a an administrator asking something particular of you on a concert day and it's really not a great day and you're tempted to say yes because they're your administrator and you feel so led, say no. Maybe not say like no, but find an alternate way of or a different day or explain to them the stress that you are under and to see if there's an, a workaround. If it is something with your family, right, and someone asks something of you within your family uh, that you are just at capacity in order to do, say no. If it is a guardian or a parent of a singer, say no. What are ways in which you can say no during the day to allow yourself to do less, which is easier said than done, I realize, but now more than ever, we have the opportunity for kind of like globally a bunch of people to understand no more than in the past. Practice that skill now. So tip number one, say no. Tip number two, let students lead. Let students lead. Now, if you're a community choir member or a church choir member or conductor, I mean, um, let your singers lead, right? So it's not necessarily applicable to students, but let let them lead. And this is really hard for a lot of us who feel the need to, if we don't do it right, um, it's not going to be done right. And who knows what could happen. Um I'll, I'll share with you a brief story. In my first year of teaching, I was friends with a theater teacher. And she told me about how she had a, like, if something were to happen to her on a, on a day when they had a performance, she wanted the show to be able to go on. And in fact, she kind of adopted that mentality because something like that had happened. And at first I pushed back and said, well, that's theater, right? Like there's not a theater director on the stage during a show. Like, of course, they should be able to do that without her, da, 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 da. But I'll never forget that conversation because it really spurred something in my mind. If something were to happen to you as the conductor for your performance, could the show go on? What is your alternative plan? And hopefully that never happens, but if it were, it's not fair to the singers and everyone that's prepared for them to not be able to do it without you. And I, upon hearing that story, began to really shift how and why I taught so that, heaven forbid, if anything were to ever happen to me for a performance, and I could not be there, 
that my singers were able to do it and were able to take over and um, know, you know, for the most part, what needed to be done. That gave me permission to be okay with allowing students to do more. And I think sometimes we struggle with that as conductors because we feel like we have to hold it all together for everyone. And that's a lie. That is a lie. Um, the more we can engage others in different layers and levels of leadership within our choirs, the more autonomous we can make them we are really setting them up for success, particularly in a school setting, particularly in a school setting. So let students lead. There should be no reason for you to be taking attendance during these concert days. Um, there should be no reason for you to have to be worrying who's handing out programs or who's doing this or, you know, if it basically, and this is my friend Troy has this mentality and he, um, he always says, if it does not require the level of, um, the level of skill that I have gone to college, the level of expertise that I have gone to college um, to complete that, then I need to find a way to offload it. Now, the irony is, and Troy will tell you too, he's a total control freak. So he knows that in his head and he does a great job of, of doing that, um, particularly in his school choirs. But I am also not putting him up on a pedestal and he wouldn't do that to himself either to say he's the be all end all of it. But that is another story, another mentality that really changed how I thought and still think and approach certain things, right? What is what's important or you know what needs to be done and then kind of like hierarchical writing it down or at least in my head going where can I offload that and have someone else take care of that so that I can focus on the most critical things but even still with the most critical things for a concert you want to make sure that there's kind of a running practice uh, story in your head about what would happen if you weren't going to be there so number one is say no. Number two is let students lead. Number three is sing unison. Sing unison. Now I was talking about this uh, with a choir baton teaching member earlier a couple weeks ago. And I was like, I have an episode coming out on this. I have an episode coming out on this because they were like, Beth, I, like, it's just not going to be like, is it bad if I have my singers sing unison? And I was like, Absolutely not. Absolutely, like absolutely not. Right. I think it comes down to what are you looking to achieve within the performance. If you are looking to have a choir achieve singing in parts, then okay, push towards the parts and and realize that the parts might not happen. Um, but if you're looking to give a concert where like the feeling and the mood and and the emotion is there and you know it's your first concert back or whatever, then you want to then you, like you sing in unison. I guarantee 80% of the people listening to the performance are really not going to know the total difference. And, you know, singing in unison is not easy either, right? It is not without its own unique set of challenges, but I think more than ever, we want to have choir concerts that have the audience leaving feeling changed. We have the audience leaving feeling inspired and moved. And because of that, like have them sing unison. It's just, it's critical because we want to tap into that emotional side and there's nothing wrong with singing unison, period, end of story. 
There's plenty of other podcasts that will probably say the opposite. If you want to tag and go listen to those, and they'll uh, rah-rah cheer you on there. Number four. So one, say no. Two, let students lead. Three, sing unison. Tip number four, to simplify and hopefully de-stressify um, this most stressful time of the year, and that is to involve the audience. Involve the audience. Involve the audience. Involve the audience. I cannot preach this enough. And this is not applicable just for the holiday season. I think it is something we do a horrible job of in choral music just in general, and I would like to see us do more in and of. So like, think about a mainstream concert. When you go to that, what is the feeling that you have when people are singing all around you and they're singing that favorite like Taylor Swift song that's just come out, right? Or, you know, any other songs. I'm Adele, right? Like I'm thinking of two biggest releases um, that have come out and you see audiences and like stadiums of audiences singing. Um, there was one of the football games actually, um, singing a song. I can't remember who it was, but like a stadium of people were singing. Um, and like, there is something about communal singing like that. So engage the audience, particularly this time of year in a sing-along, in a sing-along, right? And it can be something as a winter wonderland, let it snow. Um, you know, I, I, I joked, I made a TikTok about sleigh ride and the dance um, that's become a whole thing on that where people are joking like, oh, bless all the choirs that have programmed sleigh ride. And, and, um, orchestra and bands too because I can just imagine like kids singing the TikTok um, dance but like I mean in theory really if you were doing sleigh ride like what's who's to stop you from like doing a, a TikTok parody like spoof or like having the kids come out and teach the audience like the whole little um dance or first part to it and like you you film that and throw it online for like, people to see um how much fun you are having in your choir concerts and and that's just like one way there's a million other ways too that you can involve the audience and um let's say you want to have them remember share a favorite memory. So maybe when people come into your auditorium or your gym or gymatorium or whatever we call it, um, you can, or sanctuary, etc. have sheets of paper there or in their program and have them um, write down and, and share a Christmas memory. Or, you know, that's not necessarily the most COVID safe. So maybe it's doing a Google form and doing a bit.ly and having people submit, um, the form and then having people read them during the concert, right? Um, maybe you don't have a ton of concert music. So you take one of your songs and you break it down for the audience. This is one of the most successful concerts I've ever done. People came up to me that have been to a million concerts and many of my concerts as well too. And they said, this was the best concert I've ever been to. And it's because I took the song and I broke it down and I was like, okay, audience, let's like sing this and let's listen to this. And they would do, and then we add on and be like, hear how they do it together. And you are teaching the audience and engaging them about the audience. I think there's such a fear that like people have to hear choral music once and then be that is the biggest disservice that we do to choral music is exposing people to um, a choral piece that they've only heard once uh, ever on the day of the concert and then they don't possibly hear it again. I think there's a multitude of things around that which we could be doing beforehand, but even like real time um, in the concert, do it a couple of times. Like 
and therefore you are engaging the audience in their mind and in that. And so that leads to my fifth um, tip to de-stressify. And so we've talked about engaging the audience um, to help them feel that emotion and the benefit of that. Like it doesn't have to be super complicated music um, that the kids are singing to that help them give the emotion out and have more fun with it. And so they're connecting with the audience and, and then ultimately, and I, again, I just kind of touched on, but the fifth thing, so you're involving the audience and it's core, it's correlated. You can involve them in a variety of ways. And then finally teach the audience, teach the audience, teach the audience something. Now I gave um, specific examples as to how we have um, involved the audience through having them sing and there being a teaching component in how they're singing and how they're being involved. But you can teach the audience in a million different ways uh, beyond that, right? So whether it's in program notes, whether it's in having students uh, get up and share what choir has meant to them or what they have learned in choir, uh, teaching, there's so many different opportunities for you to teach the audience, not just about the music that you are performing, but about what it took for them to learn the music that they are performing or what they had to do before they even got this music to do so. There's so many different ways you could teach an audience. You could put like a fill in the blank section. Um, you could do a quiz, like a fun little phone quiz, right? Like do a QR code. Um, and have people responding, oh, 30% of the audience thought this song came from da-da-da-da-da, but it's actually from da-da-da-da-da. Um, there's just so many different ways, but more than ever, our society wants to learn and we want to teach. That's why we see so much blowing up on social media, not just because of like pictures and um, things like that, but like we want to learn how other people are living. We want to learn different hacks that people have related to household things or carpentry things or um, what's a way to do this or what's a way to do that. Yes, does learning look different than how a lot of us grew up on? And so at times there's this cognitive disconnect that's like, is that actually? Yes, it is learning. Learning can be fun. Learning is also hard and challenging, but learning can be fun and we can embed that into our concerts. There's no reason why um, we should not be teaching the audience about our art form so that they leave a concert more knowledgeable about what it took and the sacrifices that were made and the learning that took place to get students to the point that they are at today. So um, I hope that these five tips were helpful and maybe you won't take any five of them, but it spurred on another idea for you of something else that you can do. Um, feel free to share it with me. I would love to do that. Um, pop it up on Instagram, tag Choir Baton. Um, we will share it or, or anywhere else. Send me an email. Um, and as my gift to you, I am putting a template for, for Canva um, in the show notes links below. So, um, you know, even if you've already done your programs, uh, this is the thing where you could say no to because you could do digital programs and you could and or outsource it um, by letting students lead and take over programs as well, um, like sending them the link and do this. I have been using Canva Ooh, since I think like 2015 or something crazy like that. Um, I love, 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 love Canva. Um, so you can download the link in the bio below. It will take you to a Canva template for a folder that I've done. Check the paper sizes um, as well. You could make an interactive program. There's so many different options. Um, but also more than anything, like 
Again, say no. I'm gonna go back to number one. Say no. If you're listening to this and go, oh my God, I haven't even done programs yet. Nothing says that you have to do programs, right? Um, Whether it's digital or hard copy. You want to think about what all you feel like you need to do have to do and and really prioritize that as well because um, at the end of the day it's about how you make people feel as the teacher as the conductor as the leader and how they leave the event that you are planning and you can't be your best version for other people if you first and foremost are not being your best version of yourself for yourself and that is critical So take care of yourselves during this time of the year and know that we are gearing up for an awesome 2022 at Choir Baton.